electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. We all look like idiots. Shark Tank's Kevin O'Leary. He's on the record about his investment in crypto disaster, FTX, and his deal to be their spokesperson. A widely followed investor with years of experience. How could this happen? They're looking at this and saying, what kind of compliance did this guy do? And just asking around and seeing who else was investing is not compliance unto itself. Mr. Wonderful answers all of our questions. Did I do enough due diligence? The answer is no. Did I rely like others did in concept of groupthink? Yes, we all did that. That interview today, plus Brittany Griner released Inside the Salesforce C-Suite Split and two COVID roads diverge in China and both are rough terrain. Either you stay the way it is or you relax and terrible choices, right? Neither one is good. No. It's Thursday, December 8th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. WTI is down about 18% over the last month. It's been spurred by a decline in worldwide energy demand and still concerns about what's going to happen with the demand picture. And if you're under the illusion that the demonstrations worked in China, I think you need to really look a little closer at at what's happening. There's economic numbers being released every day and the export data released yesterday, um, like plunging much lower. Because of the lockdowns, because of the the lockdowns. So this is property. The the property sector is is underwater. There's all these, you know, it's all coming home. I'm wondering, I mean, I'm scared for the Chinese people now. Uh, it basically, in terms a, of protections, a, yeah, it's yeah. a virgin, it's a virgin population right. in terms of the, uh, people that have the immune systems that have seen COVID, and and we know how, you know, yep. just do the math on on over a billion people that are over the age of. Well, you do the math on how many are over the age of 65, and then multiply it by 1.4 billion, and you get to that number now. Will they let us know what's actually happening? There's no well, way that we won't we won't see like ICUs if they don't have beds, right? right. We'll and that's, see that's that. That's the concern. They've been building, by huh? the way. They've been building. They're trying that. What they built a quarter of a of, of a million, right? Two hundred fifty thousand beds in, in one area, but. Two hundred fifty thousand on one point four billion, well, and, and then the, what? What ha- do you have workers who can manage those? Beds? It's not. It's one thing to have beds. It's another right. thing to right. have healthcare workers who can take care but of. But I mean, it. they are so under under underbedded, if you will, on a relative basis right. to the no U.S., Europe, they, other parts of the world. Can you keep that quiet? There's no way you can. I mean, they, the the number of deaths that they've reported up to this point. Does anyone really think that's or that's the, number the of actual cases. or right. the number of cases? And but what happens if it really, really? mushrooms and hopefully it doesn't but they're we talked about this a couple weeks ago if they were to relax they had a horrible choice either you stay the way it is or you relax and uh, terrible choices right neither one is good no and, and the idea like we, we we talk here about having 
RSV, COVID, the flu, all of these things circulating at the same time. But this is a population that has been exposed to all of these right. things. It's just the younger kids who haven't been exposed quite as much. And that's what we're kind of seeing play out. And that, that's enough of a problem in itself. And we have much higher quality problems with, than what they're going to be dealing right. with those days. Um, and again, that's what's reflected in WTI. And by the way, gasoline prices are falling in the United States as well. If you're watching the national average, it's now down to about $3.33 a gallon. That's down 14 cents just from a week ago. And it's now fallen a penny below the average from a year ago. It's down sharply from the June peak when we were talking about more than $5 a gallon as well. Meantime, uh, we are now learning more about the shakeup at Salesforce. The Wall Street Journal reporting that tensions had been rising in the top ranks of the company before co-CEO Brett Taylor announced his exit. The report says that co-CEO Mark Benioff and Taylor had been at odds over the responsibilities of the company, including concerns from Benioff over how Taylor was splitting his time between Salesforce and Twitter, where Taylor had served as chairman. Taylor's exit early next year will mark the second time in less than three years that Benioff has parted ways with someone installed as his co-CEO. We're going to get more commentary from Benioff today when he gives his keynote address at what's being billed as the Salesforce World Tour at the Javits Center in New York City. I don't know how much commentary we really get. He had said at the time that, uh, you know, this is like a cage. You know, you need to let a caged tiger out of out of the cage because he's such an entrepreneur. But I think the truth and I think we all knew it going into this was when Brett took this job, I think the intention was for him to still be in said job. Yeah, there's some. Uh, I don't think this was something that was planned yeah, from the beginning. Falling out. Um, well, look, there were some crazy things that happened. He took this job after a day after becoming the chairman at Twitter, and who knew or who could have anticipated what was going to happen with all the chaos that broke right. out there? That had to take a lot of his time and attention because there were so many lawyers and so many things that people were watching so closely there. Same time, you saw Salesforce's numbers right. start to erode, and. I would anticipate that that would lead to tensions right. and, and people saying, you know, that the, what was it, the journal overnight that was saying Mark Benioff was thinking he needed to spend less time with other CEOs, less time right. on Twitter, maybe more time internally with internally. engineers. We'll go you know, the break. thing, though, is when you're a founder of something, when you're the founder of anything, it's your baby. It's your baby. Yeah. And, and you know, or at least you think, that nobody will ever love your baby as much yeah. as you do. Well, and I think probably. the great frustration and disappointment for a lot of founders is that they find replacements and successors or people who are supposed to be their partners. And they look and they go, you don't seem to love it as much as I love it. And unto itself, that is the problem. It's not just founders. It's, you know, great CEOs who, you know, if you look down the line from Iger to Jack Welch, all of these guys who think that right. they did not make the right choice. But, but they probably right. never were going to find someone who mm -hmm. they were happy with. We got some news uh, just breaking. NBC News has learned that the WNBA player Brittany Griner has been released. Moments ago, standing together with her wife Sherelle uh, in the Oval Office, I spoke with Brittany Griner. She's safe. She's on a plane. She's on her way home. After months of being unjustly detained in Russia, held under intolerable circumstances, Brittany will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones, and uh, and she should have been there all along. She had been detained in Russia back in February when airport officials found two vaping cartridges in her luggage with traces of cannabis oil. She was convicted in August and sentenced to nine years in prison. The deal was part of a prisoner swap for Russian arms dealer Victor Boot, who was 11 years into a 25-year sentence. Um, this ends what has been quite the saga uh, over the past uh, several months. Uh, this is a one-for-one swap, if you will. Uh, there had been an effort 
um, earlier to try to get U.S. Marine Paul Wellen, uh, who was imprisoned in Russia, out as well. That doesn't seem to be the case. All with the backdrop of, of Ukraine, too. Right. It, it, very difficult time to have any negotiations or even talks with, with Russia, you would think, but they're always, I guess it's always going on through, through channels, and this one finally paying off. Cheese will be next. Coming up, Shark Tank investor and venture capitalist Kevin O'Leary. His millions invested with crypto exchange FTX wiped out. I said, look, Sam, I am just one investor. But my account has a zero in it, and there are no accounting records. Where did the money go? But whose fault is it really? We examine investor due diligence, regulation, leadership, and the nature of crypto itself next on Squawk Pod. Imagine you're on a John Deere mower with a smooth ride, intuitive controls, and attachments for every season. You just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Andrew. Okay, let's uh, bring you up to date on the latest now in the FTX saga. Federal prosecutors reportedly now investigating whether Sam Bankman-Fried manipulated the market for two cryptocurrencies back in May. Manipulation that ultimately led to their collapse and implosion of his own firm, FTX. According to the New York Times, the investigation is in its early stages, and it is not clear whether officials have enough to determine any wrongdoing thus far. And separately, three people close to FTX say that Sam Bankman-Fried, CEO, uh, of course, of that company, lobbied aggressively for a partnership with Taylor Swift. At the same time, the crypto meltdown was draining the industry of liquidity. The sources say the deal would have cost FTX more than $100 million over three years at a time when the company's executives were begging Bankman-Fried to preserve cash and stop spending hundreds of millions on celebrity endorsements. One source said that after the Swift deal fell apart, there were internal talks about a deal with singer Katy Perry as recently as August. We're going to be talking to Shark Tank's Kevin O'Leary. He's a CNBC contributor host of CNBC's Money Court, and he had been a paid spokesman for FTX for more than a year. He's going to explain his relationship. We're going to talk about his investments with that company. It's an important conversation live right here on Squawk Box that you don't want to miss. People that, that, dodge, the, that, that dodge the relationship, you have to, they have to be thanking their, their lucky stars. Because uh, $100 million is a lot of well, money. she to, turned it down. $100 million is a lot of money to say, to say no to, and she did. Thank right. God. Katy Perry, I don't know how far along that the got. The other piece of this, though, that I, is the, the first piece of the story, which is this New York Times investigative piece yeah. that suggests potential prosecution around manipulation, right. to me, is the other sort of side of this. We've talked about commingling of funds. We've talked about the, how things are valued. The real other question is, was Alameda on one end, the hedge fund, because they had access potentially, depends if you believe there was a wall between the two, to see the trades in advance. And this is a little bit 
in the, a little bit like payment for order flow, but in a, in a sort of different well, way. And whether this is a front, whether effectively right. they were seeing the trades, not just taking the other side of the trades, right. but being able to actually make the trade prior to. It would have been very lucrative client. for a while until it wasn't. Right. But again, it, it, you know, when you don't have U.S. regulators watching over you, what are the rules when it comes down to this? I mean, obviously, it stinks to high heaven. Right, but but you, the other question is, what are the law, what laws are we talking about? These aren't there. Are, these are not regular old securities laws because right. these aren't. You know what's, you know what's going to get securities. him? You know what's going to get him? They're going to subpoena him. He's going to go to testify. His he either doesn't show up, and he's going to get. In big trouble for not showing up and avoiding a, a subpoena and saying no and denying them. And you know that that can put people in prison. Or he's going to go and he's going to show up and he's going to lie and they're going to catch him on it. Oh, I would go just with straight... If, if, if you believe that, that a crime has been committed, just straight wire fraud. Yeah, I think they get him on those eventually too. Anything. But like, I think it's, it, this process is going to be sped up when they subpoena him. And I hope they do this very quickly. You know, him saying, yeah. no, I want, I, I want time to go kind of look through it. Well, you're talking to everybody under the sun. Like, come, and, come, and, come and talk about it here right. where you have subpoena power, and let's see if, what you say under oath. What did we get Capone on? Tax evasion. Tax evasion. Tax evasion. Our next guest, Kevin O'Leary, became a spokesperson for FTX in August of last year and took an equity stake in both FTX Trading and FTX US. He was compensated in crypto. Kevin joins us now live. He's a CNBC contributor, host of CNBC's Money Court, and a Shark Tank investor. Good morning to you. Thank you very much. So I want you to just sort of walk us through all of this, because I think there's a lot of questions uh, about what happened. I know that you lost money in, in the process of, the, of all this. That would be an understatement. But I want to understand how much money you lost in sure. the context. But I also want to understand how the, in, how the investment and this ambassadorship happened at the time that it happened. You did disclose it. But, but I want to understand how you went from calling crypto garbage at one point, as you know, to deciding that this was something that you were going to stand behind. Yes, I recall that conversation, calling it garbage, right here on this show in 2017. Uh, that was a time when a New York hotel was being tokenized here, and I was looking at that, and uh, the regulator let me know they were not happy with that idea. And that's when I stepped away from this because clearly uh, the regulatory environment was not prepared. Then facts changed. I saw the Canadians issue the first ETF with Bitcoin is on the lying, uh, Ethereum, then Switzerland opened up, then Australia opened up. And then I said, wait a second, world's changing, I gotta be an investor. And that started my journey. I'm, I, I'm an investor in the largest regulated exchange in Canada uh, called Wonderfy, the wallets are called BitBuy. Uh, we're regulated by the OSC, I have my accounts up there. Right. But the I felt that getting involved when I was approached with, with uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, that I could get a, an inside seat on what was considered then. And I, I, gotta, I gotta tell you, the institutional interest in, in, in FTX on the U.S. equity was unbelievable. The amount of people that approached me saying, how do I get a piece of this deal? And I said at that time, I am a paid spokesperson. I cannot bring you as an, in as an LP. Not a single dollar that I lost is anybody else's money except mine. That's important for me because that's an issue. How much were you paid? Total deal was just under $15 million all in, including uh, a bunch of uh, agents and, uh, that I had to pay because I needed SAG after release to be able to do commercials for it in and when I did that. I put about $9.7 million into crypto. Uh, I think that's what I've lost. It's all at zero. I don't know because my account got scraped. 
couple of weeks ago, all the data, all the coins, everything. So then I lost the money I invested in the equity as well. Those are, those are zeros too. It was not a good investment, Andrew, okay? I don't make right. great investments all the time. Luckily, I make more good ones than bad ones, but that was a bad one. Okay, let me ask you this, though. Um, when you made this arrangement, this is back in August 10th, 2021, yeah. you said the following. You said, to find crypto investment opportunities that met my own rigorous standards, that was your phrase, of compliance, I entered into this relationship with FTX. It has some of the best crypto exchange offerings I've seen on the market. Yes. Even though you are the, were the spokesman and ambassador for this company, yes. Yes, because what we, kind of diligence did you do around this issue of compliance, given where we sit well, today? I, I obviously know all the institutional investors in this deal. We, we all look like idiots. Let's put that on the table, okay? We relied on each other's due diligence, but we also relied on another investment theme that I felt drove a lot of interest in FTX. Sam Bankman-Fried is an American. His parents are American compliance lawyers. There were no other American large exchanges to invest in if you wanted to invest in crypto as an infrastructure play. So many of us said, wait a second, who's coming to this deal? We knew, for example, this that like, Tiger. This sounds like groupthink. Did you know was. there was no CFO? Look, at the end of the day, to say that there was no CFO is also a bit of a falsehood. This was a nascent industry with a disruptor at its, at its helm, creating positions that didn't have traditional names, okay? That's just the way it was. In retrospect, yes, it's a mistake. However, I feel obliged at this point to go to the end of this, particularly- What does that mean? It means that I need to find where the money went. I'm gonna start with my own journey, with my own account. Um, Bankman-Fried reached out to me last Saturday, and I said, look, Sam, um, I am just one investor, but my account has a zero in it, and there are no accounting records. Where did the money go? And to the extent you can help me, tell me, point me in the direction, because I will, on behalf of every other shareholder, go find where this money is. The next day we talked for over an hour. And he walked me through his scenario, and, and so, I learned a lot. Oh, now, so I'm not, I don't. Sorry? What did you learn? I learned, first of all, I said, what was the large drawdown of your capital? Where did the cash go? One of the biggest uses of cash was to buy back his shares from Binance, which owns 20% of his exchange. And the reason he had to do that, according to him, was that every time they applied for a license anywhere, the Know Your Client got jammed up with Binance, where the ownership is opaque and he had to buy it back. That cost him a lot, a couple of billion dollars. But do you think that he was taking customer funds to do that? Yeah, did he take that money from customers to get it? Well, the only way to answer that question, and I told him and he, you know, he agreed. I said, look, Sam, you start this journey with me and wherever the chips fall, that's on you. Because, you know, we're talking about this, I'm gonna pursue it. Uh, I agreed last night when Pat Toomey called me to sit on that uh, committee next week. I will be a witness there. You plan to testify? I, I agreed oath. to testify. He called me last night around 8 o'clock. I agreed to testify. Kevin, I spent a lot of my time on the Hill. You, you may have said, you may, maybe I wasn't listening close enough. So the money that you lost, was it, in a, was it all just the money that you were compensated for being a spokesperson for FTX, the, the 9.7? That was well, money they gave you, and then you lost. Well, it Did you lose any? Not, 
Did you lose any money of your own of before course. you were comp- I, how much? That before you were compensated. Well, listen. At the end of the day, I look at the compensation as a source of income. Uh, no, I, I know. But but did you? Are you net down from your own net worth, or did you got the fifteen yes, million and you down. lost nine of the fifteen yes, million? Yes, I net down. I paid millions in taxes, and I may hopefully can recoup those. I paid millions okay. in fees to agents. Are you kidding? All right. This has not been a great experience. But, but losing fifteen million that, that he gave you to be the spokesperson is a little bit different than six, you know a you lot could, of people you, who put go, money. Go in. back to the compliance issue. And, and, and the reason I'm asking is. I think, look, a lot of people have looked to you over the years as somebody who uh, is an investor and a successful investor, and they, they follow you. That's, that's the point of why they, yes. right? And so they're looking at this and saying, what kind of compliance did this guy do? And just asking around and seeing who else was investing is not compliance unto itself. Well, we did compliance, and the way we did it, we said, let's look at the platform and let's see if it can link to our actual reporting systems. Is it robust enough to allow us to be compliant? Because I also issue securities through other investments. But did you ask questions about, for example, I mean, look, the board piece of it, the CFO piece of it, all of those would be considered compliance red flags. Andrew, if you're asking, did I do enough due diligence? The answer is no. Did I rely like others did in Joe's concept of groupthink? Yes, we all did that. But did you ask, though, about the relationship between Alameda and FTX? At that time... At that time, Alameda was just another account in FTX, okay? By the way, not just another account. At some point, it might have represented close to 50% of the business that was even on FTX. And there is where I call you out and say, how do you know that if you have no records? And my whole point about this is all of these allegations, all these claims, all this Sam Bankman-Fried took money out, took it in, whatever, nobody knows because there's no data. That data, as I learned, according to Sam, is sitting on a server backed up on AWS. Right now, all roads lead to John Ray, it seems. Mm-hmm. Sam says he can flip the switch. I need that data. I can't go get the money unless I have the data where it went. Here's what I don't understand. I, I mean, you're right. Everybody who we thought were savvy investors can look at this and say, we should have seen the signs. We should have known. I listened to the interview that Andrew did with him so at Book, and I thought, that guy's a crook and a liar. You listened to it and said you'd invest money with them again if it turns out there's nothing criminally wrong here. What did you hear that that, I didn't hear? The context of that is I have been known for decades to invest in entrepreneurs that have had catastrophic outcomes, bad ones, because they learn a lot from their mistakes. It may not fit for Sam Bankman-Fried because we don't know the outcome of what's going to occur. Yeah, but all I can say is everything he said, oh, I just didn't realize. You didn't realize there was an $8 billion hole. You didn't realize that there was like clients' funds that were being swapped over there. It's not his fault. Like that, That to me is like, man, that guy has bad news. That's not just you had bad luck. He was lying and manipulating. You don't know. Because you have no data. All I'm saying is, let's do the forensic audit. Let's do the forensic audit. Let's find out what happened. I owe everybody that follows me, as you said, Andrew, I owe them that information. I feel compelled to go get it. I am going to go get it. I'm lucky. I have resources to do it. Let me ask you this. The FTT token, which was one of the sort of underlying component parts, the, the sort of collateral that was used in part for this entire... It is not unusual for an exchange to have a token. Look at Binance. They have one, too. So my question to you, though, is you say you own it, which is now obviously close I, to worthless. I don't know where it is, but I own it. It was and scraped did you, out of my account. did you buy it? Did you have to buy it? Because one of the things that people have raised is this idea that there was a period of time, especially as things got more dicey for the firm yeah. over, over the summer, that he was pushing people to either buy it and hold it. Uh, some people look at the uh, acquisition of BlockFi as a way to effectively 
defensively protect against that valuation of FTT going down because of uh, their stake in it? I mean, do you think there was manipulation in that regard? I don't think so. I asked, because I have a rule in our shop that I don't want more than 5% in any one position. So I said, I, I'm going to buy a series of tokens and positions. And I own 32 of them, about that. 30, 32, I can't remember exactly. But we had a lot of diversity. Some of them were FTT, some were locked up. There was Serum, Solana, Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera, and USDC. I just want to make a point, though. You know, this doesn't change the potential for what crypto can be at all. This is no different than Enron or maybe Lehman or Bear Stearns or whatever you want. You don't know the outcome yet. You have to pursue it. You have to do the forensic audit. Enron goes to zero. And I think Toomey said this himself. It didn't change energy trading. Who cares? If Sam Bankman-Fried did anything wrong, we're going to find out through that forensic What do you audit. think? You know, I don't know. And I'm going, to, I'm going to follow the path and be part of the process. I also should disclose to you that I applied for the credit committee just before midnight last night. There will only be seven members on it. Um, there's thousands of people that want to be on that credit committee. But I think I have a unique view uh, from the inside out. And I think I can be helpful there as a fiduciary. Um, I am going to drive the process if I can. Can I ask just another question about the, the valuations of those tokens? Because that, I, I, I'm still trying to piece this together, but based on what Anthony Scaramucci told us, based on what I've heard other places, it sounds to me like Bankman-Fried was trying to push up the marks by giving people those tokens as part of a deal at certain prices so that he could say the token is and, worth that. And X. if that's factual, you'll find it in an audit. Let's, let's but talk. how much, I mean, did the tokens, were they given to you or did you they buy They were a fraction. Them? I don't let anything be more, five, more than 5%. So I insisted that anything I was going to take on would be less than 5%. No, but I mean, but did they give them to you or were, was it, how did they value them? Because that's what I'm trying to Whatever the out. market trading price was, I bought But them. the market trading price was whatever he said. And it was based on the last transaction so, of what he gave to Scaramucci. So Becky, that's not unusual. That's not unusual in crypto. Yeah, but it makes me, if that's not unusual in crypto, that's what worries me. If okay. everybody's making up these marks based on total BS, saying, Let, I'll give you this money, but you have to do it, use it to buy my token at the price I said. Okay, fair enough. And so let's think about this for a second. In 24 months, in 36 months from now, on that very question, there are three batches of data. There are the wires coming into Alameda, which are all auditable, whether it was an ACH transfer, a SWIFT code, a Fed wire, that's one. There are the transactions inside of Alameda, call it a hedge fund. They are all auditable when we get the data. There are the transactions in all of the accounts of FTX. There are the transactions of crypto leaving FTX, which are on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. Every single transaction here can be audited. In addition, I would argue that this is going to be sunshine finally for blockchain. By the time this story is over, it'll be blockchain that figured out what happened. And we will be using this as an authenticating vehicle going forward. So I'm not worried about is Sam Bankman-Fried going to go to jail or not. I have no idea. But I'll tell you, the regulator is going to rip into this like no other deal ever. So you're going to be, you're going to be testifying next week. How concerned are you about your own liability? And the reason I ask that Fair enough. is that you are out there as a spokesperson. By the way, there are civil cases now that have already been brought against the likes of Tom well, Brady and Larry David and all sorts of other Andrew, people just, who have I'm spoken named on in behalf all of the those. company. I'm named in all of those. We're all paid spokespersons. We're all named in those suits. The only saving element for me was I never took anyone else's money to put it into FTX. All of this is mine. And look, I, I look like, you know, like everybody else. We all have egg on our face. But I don't have the backward pressure of liability from LPs. When you have people come on this set and scream that 
Sam Bankman-Fried should be in jail right now. I, I bet that they have a ton of money of other people's money in this deal. I don't. So I am more in the... Uh, you have your own money in this deal. That's enough, isn't it? <laughs> all right, you so, got, it's the 15 million of funny the, money that you what, got. What to, do you tell all the people? They may not be your LPs, but they're your followers, if you will. I am going to commit to finding out what happened. What else can I do? I mean, that's why I'm applied to the credit committee. That's why I'm testifying. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. The chips are going to fall where they may. And at the end of the day, I'm an advocate for this sector. I am telling you right now, in 10 years, if we're still sitting around here, crypto blockchain will be the 12th sector of the S&P. There's just too much promise for this technology. That is going to happen. Along the way, we are going to scrape the idiot management out of this because it's a nascent industry. I, I would argue we're better off today. There's so many companies that have gone bankrupt that have weak management, and think, they're not coming back. Do you think that Sam has told you the truth? I don't know. And I told him, I said, Sam, I need my data. I need the data, and I'll find out if you told me the truth. But if you haven't told me the truth, you're on your own. It doesn't he feel like weaselly and squirrely? You interviewed him. What do you think? I think he believes what he's saying, but I don't know if what, what is he's that saying. Mean? I, I, I think that he believes what he's saying. Well, let me ask all of you. But a I don't question. know. I honestly don't know. All, all three of you, do you believe someone in this country is innocent until proven guilty? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah, in the, court, in the mm. face of the court, but not in public face of public opinion. Will, and I have a real reason to think that I, <laughs> if it were me, like, well, tell me, my spidey Why is he guilty in your eyes right now? Why is Because he I don't think he answers any of the questions directly. I think he tiptoes and tap dances around it. I think there's a lot of things he could have done to explain that he has not. Where's the $8 billion? What happened? I can't believe anybody would say to me, you are backing Sam Bankman-Fried, when all I say is, in this country, one of the reasons it's great is we assume innocence until otherwise, until you're proven guilty. And are you telling me, Becky, you're not doing that? Yeah, yeah. actually, in this okay, case, well, like, then I, you've I, made I your, would think you've that. Made I've made decision my decision. I'm not the court, Kevin, but you, I've made my decision. made your decision with the basis of no information. You, no, that you was, think OJ was, was innocent before? I mean, I know that that's the def I know it's true, but there I mean, are times when you might have a pretty good idea about whether someone Joe, is. that's a tough analogy. I'm not I mean, making I, it as an analogy. I'm saying there are times in the past where we know pretty, you know, that's why if you're a defense attorney that represents someone that you know is guilty, you got to say, yeah, well, they're innocent. So, but you may know they're guilty, Kevin. You may know they're guilty. If you find someone, if you watch someone kill someone, yeah, they're innocent. I don't, I don't think there's, guilty. A, there's only the murder of my money in this case, okay? It's, it's murder of, of FTX's money, in my view. Everybody's. Right. Look, Joe. If you, because it if was you, FTX's you, if you make, money that you got, I don't, I don't even, I don't think you should be singing the blues right now at all. Oh yes, I'm singing the blues. Why? Because your 15 million didn't pan I, out. I, that you, that's a lot of money hey, to listen. be a, a paid spokesperson. It's a lot of money. You didn't it, have it to do much for that. That's per, that's found well, that's money. That's a different Kevin. decision. That's a different discussion. Okay. I, the, I, you know, you can make that decision on your own, but I'm going to this that's point. Found money. That if that's you like want to say he's guilty before he's tried, I just don't understand it. But it, it may I, end I, up I costing you right 15 for, for reputational and everything else. That's well, the problem. That's why I stay on this pursuit. Right. I'm very transparent about it. I've disclosed everything I know about it. I will find out more information. If I make the credit committee, I will act as a fiduciary for everybody involved. I will testify. I am an advocate for this industry, and this changes nothing. Just look at the numbers that came out of Circle today. I'm an investor there, too. You've got the I lost it all on FTX, and we have a fantastic print on Circle. The promise of crypto remains. This will not change it. And you'll be discussing this case for two years. It's not going to go away. At least. I think at least it's Kevin O'Leary, I want to thank you uh, for joining us this morning. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> it sure has. Uh, and we do look forward to your testimony 
next week. I will be there, Andrew. Thank Looking you. Looking forward to okay. it. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the best of Squawk Box, the smartest analysis and newsmaking interviews from our TV show right into your ears. Follow Squawk Pod on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.